Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. The following is part of WFMP's public affairs educational programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville at gmail.com. What did we not see? We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack, sitting in a private dining room off the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours. His police were assaulted. Lives at risk, the nation's capital under siege. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest as more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. And because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution, for the first time in our history, a president had not just lost an election, he tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob reached the Capitol. But they failed. They failed. Hello and welcome to the January 6th, 2022 episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm your host, Gay Adelman. We began today's program with excerpts from President Biden's speech regarding the January 6th insurrection that happened one year ago today. I play that because it ties into the rest of what I want to share with you today, which is the Senate Education Committee hearing testimonies that took place in Frankfurt this morning. I'm going to dedicate the remainder of this program for you to hear the discussion related to Senate Bill 1, including how it relates to the bill that has been proposed to ban the teaching of critical race theory. What we see in Frankfurt is an effort to take advantage of the power that one party has to push as many special interests serving and personally interest-serving, if you look at the maps for those who are currently in power, how they are arranging the maps for their leaders to stay in power more easily, to simply how at the national level we see members of that same party doing their best to run out the clock. These efforts are not isolated. 
or independent of one another. And so today I'm going to play for you the discussion that took place regarding SB1 in the Senate Education Committee hearing so that you can hear the arguments for yourself. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Senate Standing Committee on Education. Uh, this is our first meeting for the 2022 uh, legislative session, so I do call this meeting to order. Uh, thank you all so much. We do have a quorum, so we're duly constituted to do business today. Uh, I do see that Senator Neal is making his way in. He'll also be counted present uh, in roll call as well. We do have some introductions I would like to make before we get started this morning with the bills that are on the agenda. I first want to introduce our staff that will be with us from the Education Committee uh, for this legislative session. To my left, Mr. Joshua Collins, also Joe Carroll Ellis, uh, Ms. Lauren Bush, Ms. Yvette Perry, and also to my right, Mariah Allen. And then I also would like to recognize our intern that will be working with us this legislative session. That's Ms. Valerie Roberts. Uh, Valerie's a junior at Transylvania University. Uh, she's planning a career in education, majoring in political science, uh, and also uh, education with the folks on middle school math and history. So looking forward to have you with us, but also looking forward to your future pathway ahead uh, in the education fields. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I do ask if you have cell phones uh, in the audience, please mute those or turn those to silence uh, if you can do so, uh, as well as our committee members uh, for today's agenda. Any members wishing to make any introductions this morning, introduce any special guests that we have? Seeing none, we'll proceed directly to our business of today. We have two bills that are on the agenda for today for consideration. Uh, the first I will call is Senate Bill 1. It's an act relating to school councils. The sponsor of the bill is Senator John Schickel. Senator Schickel, I'm not sure what guest you may have with you today that wish to be with you at the table, but I invite you to the, to the table, sir, for your introduction of yourself for the record, and then also for your guest when they make their way, if they would identify themselves and uh, introduce themselves for the record as well. Good morning, Mr. Chairman and uh, members of the committee. Thank you for taking time today to hear Senate Bill 1. This bill is not new to you. It's been a work in progress for many years, seven years to be exact. Thanks to you, Mr. Chairman and members of this committee, we've heard testimony on this bill or a var variation of this bill four or five different times. The bill is very simple. As the years have gone by, I think the, the uh, need for this bill has become more and more apparent to our citizens and to the people who work in our school system. It has to do with accountability and who is accountable for our educational system. We have achieved fairly good consensus over the last six years that our current system of school governance is dysfunctional. And with the importance of the education of our children being really probably our number one priority as it should be, and also the constitutional responsibility of the Kentucky General Assembly to pay for that education. That's unacceptable. I'm happy to report today that we've reached good consensus on this bill. And what this bill does 
is two things. It puts the hands of things like curriculum, or I should say of curriculum, let me be very direct. It puts the final say about curriculum with the citizens of the community. Now, why do I say this? I say it because, of course, we hire a professional, a superintendent, to run our school systems. But the elected school board, and I have uh, a very distinguished uh, school, former school board members can testify, and also the um, who is former president of the school board association can testify. It's a school board that's elected by all the citizens of the community. And at the end of the day, it's a superintendent who we hold accountable for the performance of our schools. So in curriculum and principal selection, the two most important things of whether an individual school succeeds or not will be in the hands of the people who pay and have their children go to that, those, that school system. The parents, the most important, obviously. But it's important to recognize that everyone pays for schools, grandparents, brothers, sisters, people without children. The whole community pays for schools, and it's the whole community which the school board represents. At this time, I'm going to ask this distinguished panel to introduce themselves and uh, proceed with their testimony. Thank you for having us. And on behalf of the Kentucky Association of School Superintendents, I'd like to give you my thoughts. Uh, I'm Dr. Sally Sugg. I'm the superintendent in Shelby County Public Schools. And I do have a unique perspective. I've been working in education for over 40 years. And during that time, I have served as a high school teacher, middle school teacher. I've been an elementary principal. I've been a high school principal. I've been selected by three different councils in three different districts. And also, I served uh, in a brief retirement stint for four years as an elected school board member. I also served under Dr. Holliday as the Associate Commissioner for Leadership in School Improvement. And during that uh, time when I worked for KDE, my main job was to work with lower performing schools across the state and also districts and to help them uh, get to where they needed to be. So we worked really closely with the Kentucky Association of School Councils, with KSBA, and various groups to try to help those schools. So I've seen a lot of effective councils. I've seen a lot of ineffective councils. I've seen effective districts and ineffective districts. And one thing that I would say those that are effective have in common is there is voice and collaboration among all of those groups. And also including the business community. Business partnerships are extremely important. And as Senator Sheckel pointed out, they are represented when they elect our school board members. So I'll speak specifically to the two topics that he mentioned. Curriculum is what we teach. It's, it's the very basis. Student, teacher, and curriculum are the three most important things that uh, go into a child's education. And so selection of the curriculum has to be a coherent, cohesive uh, prob uh, uh, solution 
to the problems that we find in our classrooms and what we have now currently when left up to councils a council could select a book series and then the next grade level ahead of them the middle school could select another series and it's just disjointed so what I feel like and what I've seen work very well is at the district level to facilitate conversations with councils facilitate conversations with the community with the school board and that could still really be achieved well if you have an effective process in place of collaboration but once again led from the district level so across the district all of our students have an equal opportunity all of our students especially those students that are transient and we have more and more of them they are the ones that are missing out when they move from school to school and they don't find that cohesiveness in the curriculum they miss big chunks as they move from one grade level to the other the other thing that i'd like to say is since councils and i was actually a teacher prior to cara and was in a district that was one of the first districts to elect councils and to use councils in after 1990 care reform act at that point i believe a lot of community members a lot of parents were very interested in running for councils and over the years my over the course of my 12 years as a principal in three different uh, districts i can count on my hand the number of times a parent came to a council meeting even though they were widely advertised and even though we many times had to uh, beg and twist arms to get people to run for the council uh, what I find and what has been true in all of the work that I've done in Kentucky schools is that principals are usually the first stop the teacher and the principal that's where the parent goes they don't come to the council and I think that was the original intent uh, great intent to get parents involved but I think parents mostly identify with that principal and then with the superintendent and then with the school board and all of our school boards across Kentucky hear from parents on a, on a very regular basis superintendents and principals entertain uh, parents and in, in meetings and task force and groups all of the time so I think the intent of getting those parents involved um, has not bared fruit as as we thought it would the other thing that superintendents are always uh, looking at is continuous improvement and in our accountability system it doesn't matter where you are the point is growth and once again a student and a, a school can't grow if they are selecting curricular materials every other year that are in conflict with one another so again that cohesive approach is really important in our district and in many districts that alignment is from preschool all the way through the college years our local jctc campus we have uh, many many students that have dual credit courses and so we're not just working in isolation within a school through a school council we are working from preschool through the advanced level courses that students take and many of them leave with an associate's degree or many many courses that uh, count toward their college education of course principal selection is a concern I can tell you uh, pretty firsthand and most recently this past summer I was part of a council that selected a principal for Simpsonville Elementary which is a very high performing school in our district 
it was actually, I believe, the model of what principal selection should look like. But I can tell you, if the superintendent is given the authority to select the principal, I probably wouldn't change anything. The process of collaboration is the key, and that's what worked. We did surveys to find out what kind of characteristics parents were looking for, teachers were looking for, and student input, what they were looking for. We took all of those characteristics, and as a council together, not with me leading, but as a part of that council, we selected interview questions. We called through applications. We did the interviews, and we did reach consensus. But through the whole process, my fear was, what if we didn't reach consensus? And I have the responsibility for taking this new principal that the council selects and making them into a great leader for Shelby County Public Schools. And then I'm responsible for their budget. I'm responsible for their uh, following all of the laws and regulations and policies that principals and school leaders need to be aware of. I'm also then responsible for that leadership and that school is, if it's improving or not, to my school board that actually evaluates me. So that principal selection process worked very well, but I can tell you it was the collaboration that was key. And I think what we can do is take what is working across Kentucky and codify that. Take what all of the high-performing and high-flying districts are doing that is working to include parents, to include students, the biggest stakeholder, and then also our business community and take that collaboration and codify that through some types of processes where everybody has that voice. But at the end of the day, the superintendent needs to have that final say after collaboration. I also wanted to say that the balance between the power, the authority, whatever word you want to use, with councils, with principals, with superintendents, and then with school boards, in my experience, with working, again, with low-performing schools, when it's a fight between who is responsible for what, we get disjointed and uh, ineffective policies. A council can decide what their goals are going to be for the year. They can decide their school motto. They can decide everything about their school even if that is in direct conflict with what school, board, school boards have set as their goals. So that disjointedness is one of the things that I have encountered over that number of years serving in school leadership that I believe we can work together through collaboration and through public input, through parent input, uh, to help make it a more cohesive system where we're all working together. A principal gets to select their teachers and recommend them to the superintendent for final hiring. They do that in collaboration with the council, consultation with the council. And I think a model very similar to that for a superintendent to, with consultation with the council and working in collaboration, but again, having that final say for hiring that principal would be very effective. Whether this bill passes or whether things change, my practices won't change. 
the collaboration that I've enjoyed over the years with my constituents in the district, my uh, teachers in the buildings for where I've been principal, and those that I've worked with have all helped me to make the best decisions for students. And so that's what I would like to leave you with is the collaboration and the input is the key. And I think at the end of the day, someone has to have that final say uh, through collaboration and through working with all of those groups. I believe that should be the superintendent and then ultimately the school board. I wanna thank you for the time that you've given to this topic because it is a very important topic to all school leaders across Kentucky. Thank you for your testimony. Okay. I'm Brenda Jackson, currently a school board member, Shelby County Public Schools. This is starting my year 33. I've served 32 years on the board. I've been uh, chair several times. I've been on the KSBA Board of Directors. I've been past president of the Kentucky School Board Association. And I've gone through selection with other board members of several superintendents. And happy to say that we have an excellent superintendent that we've chosen this time. I don't have children in the school system, but when I came on the board, I had adoptive brothers that were 19 years younger than I was. And the difference between what my parents chose to question and what they chose not to question bothered me. And in one of those instances, and that's why I'm on the board, the school system, the central office, and the school where one of my younger brothers was, who was, I think that almost every school has one of those that no matter what you tell them to do, they're going to challenge. So if you have to be in your seat at eight o'clock, at 7.59, he's standing in the doorway waiting for the bell to ring. And with several different things that he had done, they convinced my father that if he had so many tardies within the first couple of months of school, he would withdraw. And I had an issue with that. When I went to the board to ask a question, they told me that the decision was made and there was nothing that could be said or done. And I'm thinking that parents or the <clears throat> community in general had a right to ask a question to appear before the board to uh, voice their opinion. So I ran, I lost several times, but I ended up uh, being elected to the school board. The issues that we have today and a concern that I have is with principal selection and uniform curriculum. Because I found over the years being on the board that councils had the right to basically request the list of what or who they wanted to be their principal. And what they would do, even if the superintendent uh, gave them a list of qualified, they could deny uh, everybody on that list and keep requesting until they got the person that they wanted and they chose that person. 
But in the end, if that person didn't work out, if the school wasn't successful, if the students weren't achieving, then it was left up to the superintendent to go through the procedure to replace that person as the principal. And I didn't think that it was fair to the superintendent to have to come in and try to clear up a mistake that had been made earlier. And so that was one of the things, and I look at this, that with the collaboration and with working with the council, that it would be good to have your superintendent because they're familiar with the whole system and not just that school to be able to work toward uh, selecting the principal. The other thing was curriculum. Shelby County is really a mobile county. We've got uh, a lot of students that go from school to school and some of them are losing ground when they change schools because we don't have consistency in that curriculum. And what happened, uh, some of the students, and I've had the parents complain to me and even the students that they're if they go to a different school, they're repeating what they've already learned or else they're advanced to the point where they've lost something that they don't know. So I think that we really do need some consistency between the schools with what the curriculum is. And I do think that it's uh, important for, as the superintendent said, collaboration between the superintendent, the principal, the board members, and all of us to uh, have say in what the curriculum's gonna be, not just to say what they're going to do, but to look at the fact that if our students are going to be mobile, then if we're going from one school to the next, they need to be able to keep on track and to be able to succeed and advance and not to go back or just be at a standstill. So I thank you for that and I'm open for any questions. Thank you. I'll just briefly, sir, uh, just for the record, I'll introduce myself. I'm Eric Kennedy with the Kentucky School Boards Association. I'll just not to not belabor all of the good things that have been shared so far. I just wanna thank you for hearing this bill today. Thank you for making this a priority. I believe uh, several of you in other places recently have said that every every topic, every bill sometimes uh, has its time and has its day that comes. We have talked about this, uh, some of these pieces for many, many years. And I think in, a, in statute, part of that CARA law from 1990 really established this overall statement of, here's what we want all of our students to be able to do and what our school should do for them. And in order to make that happen, everyone involved has to be working together and collaborating. And I think that's exactly true now, and that's really kind of at the heart of what uh, this bill is trying to get to. So we just appreciate it uh, so much in your consideration. Eric, thank you for your for your words and testimony as well. Senator Schickel, I, I do have uh, some groups and individuals who have signed up in opposition. Before I do take questions from committee members to you, I would like to allow them to be able to voice. now. My committee, in terms of being the chairman, what I've always had as my policy is those that have signed up to be guests uh, are allowed to testify in opposition. And so I have Liz Irwin from the Kentucky Association of School Councils. I also have from the Kentucky Education Association, Eddie Campbell and Toby Cable. I may be mispronouncing a lot. Thank you very much. So if you all would make your way to the table, please. 
and you can present your testimony, it will be greatly appreciated. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. Please proceed. Thank you. I'm with the Kentucky Association of School Councils, and we are in opposition to this bill. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to you today. I'd like to offer you a few thoughts about Senate Bill 1. From my perspective as an educator for over 20 years, most recently as a school level administrator for eight years at two different high performing elementary schools, most recently as a principal of Paint Lake Elementary in Gary County, and then prior to that I was at Woodlawn Elementary in Boyle County. I'd also like to share a couple of examples where Senate Bill 1 would result in terrible outcomes for our students. High-performing schools and districts like the ones that I have worked in use data and evidence-based strategies to increase student achievement and close gaps. There is no data that supports the dismantling of SBDM leadership as, as, as Senate Bill 1 will do. Councils are perfect examples of true local decision making in a place where it is most needed in our schools. In a time when we are placing a high value on local decision making and are opposing the practice of mandates being pushed on us from above, I'm not sure why we would want to dismantle the most local of governance, our school councils. The voices from those closest to our students should be those that we value the most. Here's an example of how the bill would harm our schools. Regarding the changes proposed in the selection of curriculum, it would have really hurt my school if the power to choose our curriculum was given solely to one person at the top of our district. For the curriculum to be implemented well, teachers need to have a true voice in deciding it. It is already common practice for schools in the same district to collaborate and adopt the same curriculum led by district administrators and in many cases the instructional materials as well. These processes are outlined in a council's policies. This collaboration creates the buy-in necessary for teachers to implement the curriculum with fidelity. Instead of facilitating this process, this law would force a one-size-fits-all approach and eliminate the teacher voice and the collaboration. If our new math curriculum we developed together in my district this year had been simply chosen for the teachers without their direct involvement in shaping it, the initiatives would have failed. Also, for successful implementation of curriculum, teachers need to be involved in its development. That's how teachers learn how to translate those state standards into instruction. When teachers and school leaders are involved in curriculum work, they internalize the standards and content. Successful implementation is dependent upon direct involvement. If the changes proposed in Senate Bill 1 were to pass, we would also lose the effective collaboration process of principal selection. When you enter a school as a new principal, as I did just a few years ago, one of your first priorities is to build relationships 
with your school community. As I sat in what became my school's library, getting in interviewed by a retired teacher, members of the council, including a parent who spoke limited English, and the superintendent, I received a glimpse into the special community I would be joining at Paint Lick. The council and the superintendent together became the bridge that eased my transition into what became our school. I went into a new position with a foundation of success already laid out because I had the support of the superintendent and the leadership from my staff and community. The opportunity for input for multiple, from multiple perspectives should not be replaced by the decisions of one person who is removed from the school. Please let your actions today tell us that you truly value local decision making, stakeholder input, and what is best for our schools. Please stop Senate Bill 1. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. kids to yell at, I'm going to come yell at you all. <laughs> you have some kids who are ready to yell at. Can I go to the restroom, please? <laughs> Put your hand down. It hadn't even been 10 minutes. Please identify yourselves to the record. You may proceed. Uh, thank you, Chairman Wise. Uh, and members of the committee, my name is Eddie Campbell. Uh, I'm a middle and high school music teacher from Knox County, uh, currently serving as president of the Kentucky Education Association. Uh, KEA represents over 43,000 active educators, education support professionals, retired educators, and aspiring educators in every school and community across the Commonwealth. And I thank you for the opportunity to speak uh, on this issue today. Uh, I'm here today to speak in opposition of Senate Bill 1. Uh, KEA strongly, strongly supports meaningful, direct parent and teacher involvement in the important leadership decisions that are made in our public schools. Senate Bill 1 would hinder that involvement, and I encourage you to vote no on this bill. Today I have with me uh, Ms. Jody Cabell. I always mispronounce it. Like Babel. A social studies and government teacher from Henry Clay High School in Lexington, Kentucky. Ms. Cabell serves, uh, has served as an elected teacher representative on the school-based decision-making councils at Henry Clay High School for many years and she is currently a certified SBDM trainer. I had hoped to also have with me uh, Miss Leanne Lewis, an English teacher, uh, English and language arts teacher from Simon Kenton High School in Independence, Kentucky. Uh, but because of the sub shortage, she was unable uh, to attend in person today. And since we didn't have a virtual uh, uh, option for testimony, um, she writ wrote a statement and we have provided it uh, to all the members of the committee. So you should have that. Uh, since the General Assembly passed the Kentucky Education Reform Act in 1990, SBDM councils have been an essential driver in student success, opportunity, and growth. According to KDE, uh, data from KDE, 7,625 Kentucky citizens are currently serving on school-based councils and are school-based council members uh, all across the Commonwealth. That group of, is made up of parents who are elected by their peers, teachers who are elected by their colleagues, and principals who are currently selected by both the council and the superintendent together. 
because council membership is comprised of representatives of the education community in the buildings and parents who have at least one child receiving instruction in that building and the principal who is the instructional leader in that school, school-based councils are uniquely qualified to understand the school population, the school culture, the school needs, and the issues that the students of the schools face every single day. This group of dedicated educators and parents led by the school principal adopt policies to facilitate individual student success. Their voices should be lifted up and listened to more, not sidestepped or undermined. SBDM, uh, sorry, <laughs> SB1 or Senate Bill 1 uh, would, uh, is a backwards step for Kentucky public schools. SBDM councils are and have been for many years now the best example of true and direct local control in our public schools. The provisions of SB1 do not move Kentucky public schools forward. Instead, the bill limits constituent voice, clouds transparency, and throws a veil of secrecy over the important leadership decisions and concentrates all of that power in the superintendent. KEA strongly in, uh, encourages each of the members of this distinguished committee to vote no on this bill. Uh, I would like to now turn it over uh, to Ms. Cabell for a few comments. I'm going to be really short because my husband's from Eastern Kentucky and he says if I don't get to the Kroger really quick, they're going to run out of milk and bread. So <laughs> I'm going to be real quick. But thank you for hearing from me. I think it's important. I'm a government teacher, so being able to have a voice has been great. I've been here before. We've, we've done this before and I will tell you this. I uh, live in a district that has over 70 schools and programs. And by 22 years in Fayette County, I've had, if you count the interim superintendent, I've had 11 superintendents. And I do not believe that they are in a better position to know exactly what each one of those local community schools need. Every school is its own community. And I think that that is what Kara was trying to do and that nobody is more invested, intentionally invested in a school being successful than the students and the teachers and the parents who, who work and go to school there. Um, all of you can point to a teacher who has made a, a change in, in your life in some way, I bet. And all of you have thanked teachers in May, that first week of May, Teacher Appreciation Week, and you have said, we are important, we do the most important job, we teach the future. And in a committee where lots of people have supported bills that believe in individual freedom, like masking and vaccinations and where you carry your gun, the fact that you don't trust teachers and parents to pick their principals in consultation with the superintendent is a little bit offensive. Shame on some of you, really. The irony of where I sit isn't lost on this government teacher. We are in the seat of the capital of the Commonwealth. This is where representative government is supposed to be supported. And there should be more seats being added to the table. And I feel like this bill takes seats away. Collaboration, Dr. Suggs, who I have to say this, said that she never had a, a meeting where uh, lots of parents came. She obviously never tried to eliminate a ban program. And, um, but, but she talked about this idea of collaboration. The way that the site-based council structure now guarantees that collaboration. Senate Bill 1 would make that collaboration at the whim of a superintendent, and I have had 11 of them, and some of them have been awesome, and we didn't need to have a site-based council rules and regulations, but some of them, they, they were protecting the, the local schools and the autonomy uh, of those schools and doing what was best for those individual schools. Every school is different, and there has to be collaboration. 
but Senate Bill 1 doesn't guarantee it, it takes it away. This decision, this decision is so important and it also shows that, that you actually believe what you say, that the more local and the more intentional and the smaller you can make government, the better off we are, okay? And if there's a superintendent that doesn't think they have authority or power to work with the principal that they didn't choose, come find a teacher. We work with people all the time that we didn't get to pick and we're expected to help them and make them better and improve on what they're doing every day. I would be happy to train any superintendent that needs that. I'm actually certified to do it. And that is all I have to say. Thank you so much. Be careful driving home. Thank you so much for your comments. Appreciate your testimony. Thank you again, Senator Wise. I'm going to allow one more testimony. This is the last one because this person did contact LRC to be signed up, even though they were not here in time that I took up the form. Gay Adelman, if you would proceed. We do have to still take questions and testimony on this bill and vote. We still have another bill that's still on the agenda for today. I will ask that you please keep your comments brief as we already have had testimony against the bill. Thank you, proceed. Thank you, and I do appreciate you uh, letting me speak today. Most of you know me, my name is Gay Adelman, and most of you know me from my work in public education advocacy with Save Our Schools Kentucky and Dear JCPS, but you may not know, I've been an involved and engaged parent long before uh, moving to Kentucky. My boys are now 24 and 26. I've been a booster mom, a PTA president, chairperson of councils and fundraising committees, and a district-wide PTA officer in eight different school districts in four different states. I also taught K through eight computer classes for two years in a private school in Lilly, Kentucky. So I've seen it all, private, public. Um, I've, I've also been made aware because of my experiences that Kentucky is a leader and we've been very fortunate to have uh, been a leader in education reform. And site-based decision-making councils may not be perfect, but please don't throw our babies out with the bathwater. I'm here today as chair of the Coalition for the People's Agenda Education Committee. Our All History Matters When Black History Matters campaign is primarily focused on stopping House Bill 14 and House Bill 18. I understand that's not what we're here to talk about today, but this bill is intended to weaken site-based decision-making councils, which is the argument that many of the those who are in favor of the bill to ban the teaching of accurate history in our schools needs to know that there's a process that they can participate in. And so by taking away, weakening site-based decision-making councils, you're strengthening your House Bill 14 and 18, and this truly feels like a ploy to undermine our efforts. Uh, last time you heard from changes to site-based decision-making councils a couple of years ago, uh, we had a sick out in Jefferson County, and thousands of us descended upon this capital to slow the, the movement of that bill. There was testimony and bipartisan support for adding a parent to the site-based decision-making councils as a solution to one of the problems that we faced in our, in our uh, schools and in our districts. The problems that have been identified by those in favor of the bill are real, but that doesn't mean that the solutions that have been proposed are the solutions. And you haven't heard from the parents and the community members and the taxpayers who actually will be impacted by these changes. And uh, even JCPS has not notified their current site-based decision-making council members that there will be changes. So I ask you, I implore you to please slow this bill down 
and make sure that you've heard from both sides what those possible challenges to this bill would be as well as possible solutions because there is no data to show that this bill is the solution to the problems that we've been raising for over a decade in our district. Site-based decision-making councils could be impacted by a more equitable student assignment plan, for example. I sat here two years ago and showed Ms. you Adam, a map. Ms. Adelman, I ask that you please come to a, a, a close. 10 seconds. Andy, thank you so much. I thank sat you. here t uh, that, that day and showed you a map that showed you that our student assignment plan has inequitably impacted our schools in our west part of our community and if taking away the decision-making power is the solution why hasn't it helped our West Louisville schools because that's been done for over a decade thank you very much thank you for your testimony questions from committee members Senator Givens <clears throat> Senator Schickel if you may want to make your way back to the table Senator Schickel, thanks for the legislation. You and I have talked about this um, multiple times. I, I want you to reiterate for the committee again, the, the concern was raised a few moments ago that this is too soon, too fast, and moving too quickly. How many years have you been pursuing this? Six or seven. Six or seven years. Mm -hmm. The versions, have they changed substantially over the six or seven years? Not substantially. What was the original premise? Walk us briefly through that evolution and, and what may or may not have changed in the legislation this year relative to those other years? Um, the evolution of the, um, of the bill, it, it's, I'm not, I don't serve on the education uh, uh, committee, uh, but I drive a school bus and my partner is a retired uh, teacher. And when I got involved in this, she was an active teacher. And uh, so I was around, I was in the schools a lot and I was around uh, the educational uh, in our schools. And uh, so I was listening and talking and the idea from this bill came from teachers and parents because I couldn't fathom a system like this where the person who was ultimately <coughs> responsible for the performance didn't have the tools in the toolbox to change it. When a school is not performing well, we don't say, well, we don't run, the average citizen doesn't go to the site-based council and know about the site-based council. They look at the superintendent. Well, the first they look at the principal, they look at the superintendent, and they wonder why their elected officials, the school board, who, and that's why the testimony about this somehow takes away local control, that the school board is the ultimate local control elected by all the citizens of that school district. And uh, so that's the foundation of the bill. But we've made changes. We've uh, added people to the site-based council. We subtracted people to the site-based council. The biggest change we made is we've narrowed the focus. We've narrowed the focus to two things. You know there's a lot in that chapter about site-based councils and school boards. But the two most important things are curriculum and as the previous testimony described, people are very interested in curriculum these days, very interested. And there was a lot of confusion on who was ultimately responsible. Um, my own superintendent, well, he's retired now, but my own superintendent, who has been a champion of this bill, as well as several principals and teachers in my district, um, 
they um, they actually uh, got in trouble with the Office of e Educational Accountability because there was confusion on who is ultimately responsible for the decisions being made, whether it was just because citizens would go to the school board, they'd send them to the site-based council, then the site-based council go, well, oh, that's actually, and so it, it, there, there was no clear accountability. And in any organization, like the superintendent from Shelby so well, so well, I think articulated our whole panel did. I couldn't have done it any better. But the um, you're not going to be around in today's society if you don't seek collaboration. You have to collaborate to lead the PTA, the site-based council. You're just not going to be around. But at the end of the day, any organization has to have someone be able to make a decision, and it has to be the people who are directly accounted. <coughs> accountable to the taxpayers, the parents, and everyone else. And uh, so for me, this bill, its concept is pretty simple. Um, and uh, as you, you, I, I've talked to you a lot about it, and I thank you for all your help with guidance, mentoring, or, or Senate leadership, because at times over those six, seven years, I got pretty discouraged. But uh, that's kind of walking you from day one up to the present day. So, Mr. Chairman, brief follow-up. <clears throat> Rhetorical question, but I, I need you to answer it. I'm confident in the answer because we've had this conversation as well. But under, under current Kentucky law, with the authority that's invested in a site-based decision-making council, if I, as a taxpayer, do not have a child in that school building that the SBDM oversees, I'm paying the taxes. I have no voice in the curriculum. Is that correct? That is correct, and it's a great question. And a follow-up, if I might add to that, I th because I think it, it's, uh, it's down the weeds a little, but I think it's also very pertinent, that a person can be on the site-based council and not even live in that school district and not even live in that state. And we've had that happen in our, um, in, in our school district. Um, I take issue with the fact that this bill um, uh, eliminates or, or I think it makes site-based councils the important tool for parents and teachers that needs to be there. And any superintendent that or, or principal knows, we, or the state center or anything, <laughs> the days of doing your job without collaboration, those are over, especially in a position like that. Thank you, Chairman. Thank you. Also, members, just want to briefly note, staff alerted me, in your folders, we also have Senator Thomas, who's not here, provided a statement on behalf of the student voice team in opposition of Senate Bill 1. Just want to make sure in your folders you are uh, noticed of that. Central West, question? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'll be brief. Um, talking to our able-bodied help here on the podium, uh, I think CARE was 1990. When it first came out um, 32 years ago that's that's a long time uh, the SBDMs were part of that you know care process change uh, but but that was a wholesale change those were wholesale changes in 1990 and um, I think it's safe to say that they changed the trajectory of education in Kentucky for the better um, but as part of that wholesale change some of those changes were good some were bad some in between and as you know, you've been around for a long time. You know, the one constant is change. And we need to be constantly 
trying to improve education, constant improvement. Um, so we, I think those who have spoken against it, this bill, you, everybody is pushing towards the same goal. We want education on the upward trajectory uh, in Kentucky. Educational standings, 50 states. There are, you can argue over which group you're using, but there, we're proximately in the middle and there are a certain number of states above us. Of those states, to your knowledge, what other states currently use the SBDM model like we have here in Kentucky? No other. No other, okay. Um, to me, when you talk local control, that's a good thing. Uh, but school boards, in my opinion, are, are complete local control. Um, it's one thing to have a say, but it's another thing to be able to vote on who's on the school board. Uh, and I disagree totally that parents don't have a say. Parents can run for school board. Parents can vote for school board. And I hope that all school boards would listen to parents, whether it's curriculum, what, um, principal, uh, choosing the principal, choosing the staff. Um, hopefully, all school boards will continue to listen to parents' voices when these important issues come forward. And I, I think this bill eliminates a lot of confusion in the, um, the chain, chain of command. You know, the buck, the buck stops here. You know, how can a leader of a school district be held accountable when they have no control over, little to no control over who, who is uh, in the chain of command below them, in, in middle management, so to speak. So I think this is a good bill. It doesn't do away with SBDMs. They're still in place, um, but it, it is clarification. Uh, I think parents still have a say, and, and a tremendous say in, in schools, maybe even more so. So thank you for the bill. Senator Meredith. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And actually, I have a question for uh, Mr. Campbell, if he could uh, return. Appreciate your testimony uh, about KEA's position on this, but you made the statement that KEA supports direct parent involvement. This is my sixth session in Central Circle, the sixth time I've, I've heard this bill. And on numerous other occasions, we've had uh, parents added, teachers deleted, and back and forth. But one of the problems I have with this bill is that we're not adjusting, adjusting the membership, and there's still only two parents as, as compared to four educators. And I think that's one of the impediments to parent uh, involvement in this. So if KEA supports direct parent involvement, would you support adding additional parents to site-based councils? We support making sure that we have all the voices at the table. So parents, students, even our classified workers need a seat at that table to have those conversations about the, the decisions that are being made for that school. Well, I appreciate that previously y'all have not sort of supported that position. As a matter of fact, I can remember testimony against adding additional parents to a site base. So are you saying your position on that has changed? Well, I'd have to take it to my board. Uh, we don't have time to take it to the board. Uh, we're going to move on this thing, and uh, I'm considering but an amendment the bill, to the bill. As, we, as presented today, doesn't do that. 
Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you. Senator Neal. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I know the time is short, so I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. You know, I've been, I've been here since uh, CURE was initiated, and I have always been ambivalent about the way this thing was set up from the beginning. However, we have found out over the years that there was great value that was achieved through the construction of the site-based decision-making councils and shifting some of the, uh, you call it the decision-making authority uh, to those councils. At the same time, I've been challenged because I could see situations where uh, some of the arguments been made here today, uh, Senator Schickel. Um, clearly, uh, in certain circumstances, I think, uh, require uh, a certain type of accountability and a certain amount of, of coordination sometimes comes from one person having the responsibility of making certain things happen. To think that one person is well intended to get it done, I agree with that but it doesn't always work out that way. So I think there's middle ground. I think more discussions needed. So I'm gonna vote no, at least at this time, uh, for that purpose. Thank you. Uh, by a margin of nine to one, the bill does proceed and it does pass. It'll move on from here. I wanna thank both sides today for their testimony uh, on education bills. Uh, always appreciate uh, when we can have civil conversations and bring everyone to the table. So thank you all for presenting today and uh, thank you for your testimony. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. I'm Gay Adelman. Today's program was focused on Senate Bill 1, which is the bill that will take principal selection and curriculum selection power away from site-based decision-making councils and give it to a district superintendent. The General Assembly is currently in session for a 60-day period that just started this past Tuesday. Senate Bill 1 passed out of the Senate Education Committee today, and it had already had two readings, so it most likely also passed the Senate today. It will move on to the House, where it will be assigned to a committee, and then voted on the floor. This could happen as early as next week. Thank you for listening. The proceeding is part of WFMP's Public Affairs Educational Programming. The views expressed are those of the speakers and not the station. If you would like to share your views, you may email us at wfmp.louisville.com at gmail.com.